Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Thanks again, guys, for joining in with us this week. Episode 63. Just keep churning them out. Um, <laughs> oh, God, it's going to be one of those nights. Perfect. It is. It is. Um, I got my Mad Elf over here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My favorite beer. My favorite beer. I've got tea. I knew you'd approve. Warms my belly before bed. I do like some sleepy time tea. Mm. Do you drink the sleepy time t- stuff? Mm-hmm. I like the vanilla one. <laughs> I mean, I drink, I'm trying to drink more tea um, like throughout the course of the day. Like I'll have my one cup of coffee in the morning, but rather than just pounding cups of coffee, I'm trying to switch towards tea a little bit more. That's just something about a warm beverage, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So my wife... I guess I, I tried to shield her from the shame of being associated with me as much as possible. So my wife, Fair. even though you know Fair. her very well, um, is a big tea drinker. She loves sleepy time tea. Ooh, okay. Sleepy time honey, sleepy time peach. Those are her go-tos. Ooh, I haven't had the peach. So. I like the vanilla. I'm not a big mint fan, so I usually steer away from those. But anything anything like that. like They have like a raspberry one that's pretty good. Hmm. I'm, I'm not a big mint fan as a whole. I love that yeah. we're just talking about this though. Same the show. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So if you made it through that, you're a real fan. Congratulations. You get the good stuff. If you guys haven't yet noticed, we've been announcing a lot of new additions to the Campus to Canton team on Twitter via our Twitter account at, at Campus to Canton. Um, go ahead and take a look on there. If you have not, um, obviously we retweet out everything, you know, all the articles and stuff from the website, all the podcasts. We're building up Building up the crew here this offseason, we've added uh, Hannah and Edna Beast Mode uh, are both going to be joining our data crew. Um, I'm trying to think who else can, who else have we actually announced? I don't want to say people that we haven't announced yet. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, David. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had David at Solving Football as a part of our uh, freshman eval, um, you know, kind of uh, Debbie Preps, some places call it group. Um, yeah, I know. There's like no good way to phrase that. I haven't found it yet, at least. Yeah, but but I think we have a really big announcement, and, and you know, since we are the the host of the flagship podcast here, we kind of get to do what we want a little bit. Yeah, um, we have total autonomy. Yes, just you know, we play by our own rules. Yeah. Um, renegades limiting us. Yes, that's that's what we often get called. We have a really big announcement here, guys, and we're obviously announcing this podcast. Usually, it goes live very late at night, Monday into Tuesday. We're going to release this here Tuesday morning if you're listening to it. Um, because we're also going to tweet this out. Guys, we are adding CFF, College Fantasy Football, a section dedicated to it, to the website this offseason. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Drink that in for a second, guys. We are going to have rankings, all sorts of waiver articles and stuff, just everything dedicated to CFF, whether you play CFF, which we're hoping to kind of push into that space more, whether you're just looking for more start sit information for your campus to Canton rosters or guys that you need to pick late in drafts to round out your teams. We will have all that information and the team is mostly set. So we can announce those guys here while we're here too. Uh, to lead that team, our, our fearless leader is going to be CFF Jared on Twitter, Jared Palmgren. Yes. Yes. We are very excited about that. Uh, he is bringing Chasing the Natty over with him to our podcast network. Very so you will excited. now be able to find that every Monday on the Campus to Canton feed. 
We are, he will also be joined by Nate Marquise, the one and only CFF Nate. Um, just a guy that we've had on the show before. If you've been a long time listener, you know, he's been on, uh, yeah, we mentioned him frequently too. his tweets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very sharp individual. Um, he will be joining the team as well. So a really good crew. We're looking to continue to round it out here, uh, as the off season goes on, but that is kind of our big announcement. Uh, read it and weep. Ladies read and it and weep folks. We're excited for it. It is one of our biggest announcements this off season, but we do have more to come later on. Most places do like one big announcement and that's it. And we've got like the Hanukkah of announcements. Oh yeah. Like instead of one day of announcements, we've got eight crazy nights. That's us. <laughs> that was my, that was my Adam Sandler. I hope, I hope uh, everybody got what I was doing. There. That was a good Adam Sandler. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that's that's what we've got to say. We're very very excited about it. Those guys have actually been working with us here for a couple of weeks already. It's really really pained me uh, mm-hmm. to hold that in. Sometimes I just have to go into my bedroom and just lay down with my face in the pillow and just blurt it out. Um, yeah, because I just Same. have really had to resist the urge to tell people. So we're Same. very excited about this. We're yeah. very excited to work with both of those guys um, and to continue to provide all of that content uh, for you lovely people. Oh yeah. yeah, definitely excited for that. I mean. That's something that's a, a CFF is a huge part of C2C leagues, whether you are, you know, playing it for more from a CFF win now perspective on the college side, even if you want to look at it more on the Debbie side, you know, you can still look at production who's been, you know, able to put up significant numbers and that has a correlation to draft capital as well. So no matter how you slice it, CFF is a big part of C2C leagues and we're really excited to get such a great team together for this. Yeah, so we're going to be locked and loaded. That content is going to be dropping very, very soon. Uh, and we will obviously keep everybody posted on that. Um, should we continue with the show here, Colin? I feel like I'm barely even continue on. So I know, I know. I'm so amped guess, right now. I guess we have to, though. I guess we have to. I won't be able to sleep if I just log off here. So, you know, just laid it there for a while. Um, and it's definitely not because of the many, many cups of coffee I had today. It's because I'm so jazzed. <laughs> all right so let's go into this guys this podcast is part of the fantasy points media group along with a ton of other great podcasts including the true north fantasy podcast the play to win podcast dynasty happy hour the injury prone podcast with dr edwin porus dynasty vipers the smoke show the triple play fantasy podcast and the fantasy points podcast itself you can follow all of these lovely lovely podcasts and all of these people on one place on twitter at fantasy points live or check out the weekly Friday drops that recap everything happening that week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. All right, Colin. Um, a couple different segments here tonight. You know how you, everybody knows we like to split this this show up into, into some different pieces. First one we've got labeled the portal, semicolon. This shit's still going on. <laughs> <laughs> there are still enormous names in the transfer portal. Entering the portal, exiting the portal every day. We had some freaking doozies this past week. I think Caleb Williams, we're still on Caleb Williams' watch. Yep. Um, apparently, as we saw, Day uh, one of their student reporters um, took a picture of them moving all of his shit off of campus. So we at least that know is, that he's probably gone. What does Lincoln Riley think about that? Did yeah, he like, black out the windows? Lincoln Riley's <laughs> going hunting. He's got. He's, he's looking for that kid. It's probably the same person. Um <laughs> Hat tip for that guy. Seriously, they've done some good work. Um, if they're ever interested in a, in a job in fantasy space, hit us up. Um, yeah. 
Jermaine Burton, probably the biggest name in the portal, though, entered shortly after the national championship game there, uh, obviously formerly of Georgia, is heading to Alabama. Colin, what do you think of this uh, match, uh, Burton and Bama slash Saban? I mean, that's huge. Um, that is that's massive that we were we just talked last week, you know, who was going to step up, who's going to fill the the roles vacated by Jameson Williams, John Mechie and Slade Bolden. And I think you got one of the names right here. Um, you know, we were we kind of thought Jojo Earl. We kind of thought probably Ja'Cory Brooks over a Gia Hall, but there was still going to be room for him. There were a bunch of other names we tossed out. And now I think you can put in maybe not pen. But, uh, you know, you can you can carve it in there pretty thick in pencil. Jermaine Burton is one of the starting receivers for Bama there. I mean, he just brings a level of experience that the other guys don't have. This is going to be his third year in college. Uh, he flashed uh, very well as a freshman, uh, you know, kind of disappointed this year, but he was banged up off and on with injuries. So, you know, and the offense as a whole was just kind of a weird one in terms of receiving production. You know, the wide receivers didn't really do a whole lot. It was mostly the running backs and tight ends. But I think this is a great landing spot for Jermaine Burton. He's going to a quarterback that we feel good in with Bryce Young. He's going to a team that's vacating production. This is just kind of a perfect marriage. Yeah. I, beyond the fact that, weirdly, he's the most experienced guy that they would really have there, especially with Javon Baker, who, you know, hadn't produced a ton, but but had been around for a little bit, uh, leaving there, heading to Kentucky. Um, he, so not only does he bring that experience, but he brings a skill set that nobody else on that team has, at least nobody on mm -hmm. a team that has experience. <laughs> They're just going to rotate around that in circles here, uh, the experience factor. But seriously, I mean, you talk about, um, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks, uh, Jai Hall, Jojo Earl, Christian Leary, the guys from last year's class. Uh, you know, Leary and Hall are the boundary guys, but I don't think either of them necessarily possess the the speed and the top tier athletic ability. At Brooks, like Burton has a has a verified four four nine and a thirty nine inch vert. Like Jacory Brooks wishes he had a verified four <laughs> something within point one of that. He doesn't, um, and, and that vert is obviously pretty nasty too. So I think you know if you look at their class this year, I don't think they have anybody even coming in that that has a very. I mean, Isaiah Bond is is. is a very good athlete as well. Um, so this probably dampens his outlook in year one bond. That is um, it would not shock me if Burton goes there and is a top 10, 15 receiver in terms of fantasy production this year. I mean, that, Bryce young is going to throw it to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And absolutely. Bryce, and Bryce young is smart enough to know that he has a 39 inch vert. Like Bryce young is not, a, is, is not afraid to say, go up and get it. And I think he'll be happy to do that with him. And I think you'll have a lot of really cool downfield catches where he kind of goes up over somebody and makes a really nice grab. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the the easy and the almost lazy, but still kind of accurate comparison is going to be what happened with Jameson Williams this past year, how he transferred from such a loaded room at Ohio State, goes to Bama, brings him a level of experience that they needed, and then explodes. You know, I mean, maybe Jermaine Burton doesn't put up quite as big of numbers as, as Jamison Williams did. But one, it wouldn't shock me if he did. But two, I still think he's going to put up tremendous numbers there and make himself a good amount of money. I mean, he has the skills and athleticism to be a potential first round wide receiver in the NFL draft. And at Georgia, I would have heavily questioned that at Bama. I think that you're you're looking at like 50 50 at this point 
the advantage that he does have over Jamison Williams, and I agree, you know, you can't necessarily just predict that he's going to have right. the same type of year. Jamison Williams got there late in the offseason, relatively mm-hmm. speaking. He didn't enter the portal until late. He didn't get there until the summer. He didn't play spring season with them. Burton's going to get to do all of that. So I think that's going to actually make a, a big difference. And, and Williams kind of came, came on slow. You know, he did have a nice game against Miami. He had four catches, 126 yards, a touchdown. But then his next three were three for 31 and a touchdown, four for 61 and zero, and one catch that was an 81-yard touchdown. Like, and then he had five for 65 and no, like, he, like the, the the beginning of his season was not insane. Mm-hmm. But then after that, he went, you know, 10, 146 and two, six, 123, 10 for 160, six for 158 and three. Like he, he, you know, rocket shipped after that. But I like Burton, I think can have, an impact earlier. And I think yeah. even if he doesn't have a game where he goes eight for one ninety and three, like, like, uh, Jamison Williams did against Arkansas, I think he can still have a, a, a year that's similar. And, mm-hmm. and in total last year, Jamison Williams had 79 catches, 1,572 yards and 15 touchdowns. I have a hard time projecting that for any single player, but I, right. you know, 70 catches for 1400 yards and, and eight touchdowns doesn't seem outlandish. And I think that's like not like that can be a conservative guesstimate mm-hmm. based on what Bama has done with their wide receiver one in recent history. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Like you said, it's that's what I was saying. It's it, it's not inaccurate to comp him to Jamison Williams in terms of what he could be this year. It's difficult to project that kind of volume for those kind of numbers for any single wide receiver, uh, like you said. But you know, if if you feel good about any wide receiver on Alabama right now, it's Jameis or it's uh, Jermaine Burton, and that means something. Would you have felt comfortable give projecting Shakori Brooks to have that stat line, no. even even with us always, you know, saying the wide receiver one of Alabama always does X? Like I still wouldn't have felt really good about projecting that stat line onto him. I feel really good about projecting onto Burton. And this is coming from somebody who was low on Burton because he hadn't like he, his year two is basically the equivalent of year one. There was no improvement there from a statistical standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I know you were on the, you were on the side of with Burton at Bama or I mean, Burton at Georgia that his name carried more value than his actual worth was at that point. Um, I'm assuming this is that has since flipped for you. Uh, yes, I think it has. I'm I'm still unsure. I actually was in today during my lunch, um, rearranging some of my rankings because I, I definitely want to start nailing them down. Like they kind of look bad right now <laughs> with all the a lot of two guys taking them out <laughs> yeah um definitely definitely some updates that, uh, that needed to be done and i'm still not 100 sure where i want to put jermaine burton where where would you put him in your wide receiver rankings right now colin like, well do you have him uh, open right now i don't have him open right now but if you give me a I'll, sec here i'll stall him i'll do a little ding oh crap i can't see um <laughs> well now i'm yeah. just lost yeah, well, I mean, I, I can I can pull him up here um, quickly, but I know I have him high. I didn't move him. I did move him down uh, a mm-hmm. little bit throughout the course of this season. Yeah, um, but I didn't move him down that far. I think he was still top twelve, top fifteen ish for me. Damn, bro, were you uh, drunk when you did these rankings? I'm just what are you? Do you have him up right now? Oh, I, thought you were I have like them up. At him. Yeah. Yeah, you have uh, I moved him wide receiver 14. Wide receiver 14. I moved him down. Um, but 
obviously now I'm going to be moving him back up. So, gotcha. Yeah. Um. So that you haven't watched Super 14 now. You said you're going to be altering that though. I yeah. have him. He'll move up over. Yeah, he'll move up to top five. I so I have him at eleven, and I think the guys I have right in front of him, I'm pretty sure. I guess I'll just do this live while we're sitting here talking. Uh, I have JoJo Earl at ten; he's going to jump him. I have Parker Washington at nine; Penn State is going to jump him. So that puts him. Uh, and actually, Raheem Jared needs to drop a few spots. So that puts him as wide receiver eight for me, behind Boutte, JSN, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, Marvin Harrison Jr. Josh Downs, and then it's Burton. And you know how I've been like I am just probably a little higher than Marvin Harrison than maybe I should be, um, yeah, but I I've been saying fine. for months that I think he ends up being the wide receiver one in this class when all is said and done. So um, I don't think it's an outrageous to have him above Burton. No, no, I don't. I don't think it's outrageous either. Um, yeah, we're as we're doing this live here. I just moved him up to my wide receiver five um, behind Boutte. JSN, Worthy, Johnston, just ahead of Downs, Mims, Washington, Addison, and Ja'Cory Brooks to round out my top 10. Although, actually, maybe I should move Ja'Cory Brooks down a smidge. That's I I like I had Ja'Cory Brooks literally the spot behind him, and I, I, I bumped him up a little bit here. Um, so Well, you just convinced me to move Mar Marvin Harrison above Ja'Cory Brooks. Really? Yep. Cool. Marvin Harrison yeah. Jr. at wide receiver 10. Look at us go. Look at us go. Live on the show. That, that's um, premium content right there. If everybody is healthy this year, I know we're just like totally off topic now. I have a really hard time picturing Corey Brooks outproducing Marvin Harrison next season. And mm -hmm. I think that's going to play majorly into their value moving forward because they're very similar stylistically players. Yeah, I think Harrison's probably better too. Um, okay, let's let's get let's get this the ship back on on path here, Colin. You let me get off topic, and you're literally your one job is to keep me on topic. I mean that's categorically false You're it's your job to keep me on task you're me? always quick with the hook me <laughs> no as i as i start to ramble about nothing you're 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 the one who gives me the hook no that doesn't sound like me um okay so let's continue the the exodus from georgia colin um they've had a lot of attrition this offseason both you know guys going to the nfl and people transferring out jt daniels um another one here where do you think he goes? I know we briefly mentioned his name last week on the show, but it was more of just a, you know, this happened. Do you have any spots for him? I know we're kind of late in the cycle at this point. So a lot of the places that maybe we would have liked to see him go to are probably occupied now. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing with a lot of these guys entering at this point. JT Daniels, Jackson Dart. Those guys are all entering in the portal pretty late in the process. Even Caleb Williams, mm -hmm. where a lot of these spots are kind of settled already. Uh, so it's difficult to project, you know, where, uh, what a good opening for him where he could start right away is. I think he's going to have to take a bigger step down than, than what he's ready for. I mean, he was at USC. Then he went to Georgia. Those are two blue bloods. He's not going to a blue blood and he's not going to be a starter at one of those. Um, I think realistically, I, man, I don't even know. I can't even really come up with a good 
landing spot for him, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really struggling with this one. Um, so I was hoping that you would have one because I don't have one. Yeah. Um, I don't think he needs to go G5, but P, it's, it's not going to be a great P5 school. See, I think for a lot of reasons nowadays, like I think if you're going to the upper tier of the P, of the G5, it's better than the dregs of the P5 of the power. Five. I would actually agree with that too. So you know, I mean, I get like Arizona has their guy now, and I think that offense is kind of on the up and up. But like you know, I wouldn't send them to a Vanderbilt or a Rutgers or you know a team like that. Um, like I, a school like. Virginia Tech. I'm not saying Virginia Tech would be a good spot, but like, because mm-hmm. I I don't really know where else that you could send him. I like I almost do think that a a G5 is better. I don't necessarily have one in mind. Um, like said, like if Tanner Mordecai had declared, I would have said maybe SMU is a really good spot or Preston Stone. Um, yeah, I mean Preston Stone at that point probably says Sayonara. Um, like I think I, you should say Sinar anyway and go to TCU, but that's a topic for later. Oh, you just rewriting <laughs> the show sheet live? <laughs> um, no, for JT Daniels, I mean, honestly, like I was thinking a place like a Minnesota, maybe because they're losing Tanner Morgan, aren't they? Or is he? No, they're back not. Like he's coming back. Year? It's his sixth year. All right. Well, he's coming back for a sixth year, so never mind there. I guess. Five years too many as far as the Minnesota <laughs> folks are concerned, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, Maybe yeah. he goes to Iowa State. They have Hunter Deckers, but it's not. So it's has Purdy actually declared, though? Like everyone was like after I, after Purdy collapsed at the end of that game, everyone was like, LOL, Brock Purdy, great, great. Like, you know, that's like the, the perfect end of that career. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, I haven't heard him declare it on. I'm pretty sure he still had eligibility if he wanted it. Yeah. So according to iowastatedaily.com on January 6th, he announced his decision to declare for the NFL draft. Okay. Then that would actually be an interesting spot because um, I think he has some, some not the same limitations as Brock Purdy, but different limitations. Um, that'd be interesting. I'm officially on the that, – that's, that's my train. <laughs> cool. JT Daniels to Iowa State. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna start. We're gonna start that hype train right now. Um, all right, let let's move on here a little bit. Um, Joshua Moore, wide receiver from Texas, um, didn't really seem to get along too well with Sark and Co. Entered the portal. He is heading in state to SMU. We talked a little bit last week, guys. SMU loses a pretty decent chunk of their receiving production. Uh, between Reggie Roberson, Danny Gray, and Grant Calcaterra, they lose 44% of their receptions, 52% of their receiving yardage, and 49% of their receiving touchdowns. They do have some guys there to pick up the slack, Rasheed Rice, uh, Dylan Goffney, but they've run a lot of three-wide receiver stuff, and I think Lashley will continue that. You know, He, he likes to run uh, a pretty high-flying passing attack. Um, so do you think this is a good spot for more? Do you think it can produce uh, a pretty decent clip there? Yeah. I mean, like we just mentioned with JT Daniels, sometimes going to a high level P, uh, G5 school is better than going to a low level P5 school. I think this is one of those situations too. You know, he gets to stay in state, stays close to home, goes to an offense that loses a lot of production. Like we had just mentioned before. Um, you know, I think that he can 
assuming that his head is screwed on straight, because I did hear that he was not the best um, role model on the team for some of the some of the other some of the younger guys. I did not. I heard that he was not completely bought in there. So assuming he buys in, I mean, I think yeah, that's that's a good landing spot for him. Um, you know, he, he's had some trouble staying healthy, but if he can do that, I think he could put up some decent numbers there. Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, I mean, that offense supported three wide receivers that were at least moderately intriguing last season. And again, it's not the same staff, but Lashley is, you know, a, an SMU guy. That's kind mm-hmm. of some of his background. That I think, you know, stylistically, he would prefer to do uh, some of the same things that uh, the the staff, Sonny Dykes and co. had have done there the past few years. Um, last one here, Colin, and this one is came out of nowhere. Yeah, like legit. Uh, and then I saw somebody had posted it in our in the website Discord, uh, campuscant.com, two ninety nine a month, twenty nine ninety nine a year um, nice. to access that Felix, Discord. And Felix says you can't promote, you can't market. And he says I'm a I, I, my bad cop is bad. I don't know what he was talking about. Your bad cop on watch it <laughs> on uh, on Devi debate is more like a lukewarm cop. Your bad mm-hmm. cop on here is is much better. You're uh, I love. It was months ago at this point. Chris Moxley, the uh, put the meme out there of Austin on Debbie Debate, and it's like a puppy, and then Austin on uh, Campus to Canton, and it's like that rabid dog on a chain. I think that was pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not totally wrong. Um, Lavoisier Carroll, guys, back from the dead, a guy that I told you all last offseason, do not draft. He's playing DB at Georgia, is leaving Georgia, he's going to South Carolina. And he's apparently going to play running back there, his natural position, which I find really, really interesting. They lose uh, Kevin Harris this offseason. Um, so, and they lose Zaquandre, right? Too? Mm-hmm. So it's basically Marshawn Lloyd, uh, Juju, Mc, Juju McDowell, and then Carroll. So they still have a three-headed monster there. I mean, that's really like interesting. I, I wish I had a better word for it. This is very, very interesting to me. And I think it's something that I might be going to try to get some of Ossier Carroll before people catch on this offseason the only issue with that though is who actually still has lavassier carroll on the roster like you would have to he's probably on waiver wires well the funny thing is i play in three i believe now four uh full idp leagues um you're in a couple of them with me mm-hmm. and so like people were taking them and they're like well fuck it if he plays db then i just got another db on my roster kind of like you and uh what's his name Shadrack Banks. Yeah, Shad Banks. <laughs> and me and Trianum now. I have him in one, two of those leagues. Yeah. Um, so like there, there's less risk uh with some of those guys if that happens. So I they, I bet he's I bet he's still rostered in those ones, but yeah, the rest he probably is not. Yeah, he probably doesn't even show up on fan tracks. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting one. I mean, that obviously puts a damper on my Marshawn Lloyd dreams. You know, he's a guy Marshawn Lloyd's a guy that I had a lot of hope for. Um, you know, and I thought he was going to be part of a two-headed rushing attack this year. I mean, we did talk about um, what Christian Beal Smith is going there. He is, yes. Is that right? Or Chris yes. Beal Smith? I don't remember which one it is. Chris or mm-hmm. Christian? Either one. CBS. He's going there. Um, <laughs> uh, he's going there. So, like, you know, it's it's going to be a crowded backfield again. But Lavasier Carroll uh, looked good at IMG Academy as a running back. Um, you know, I like Katron Allen and Lavassier Carroll kind of kept Katron Allen off the field. Um, Allen's junior year, Carroll's senior year. So, 
you know, they, they split touches pretty heavily. So I, I like Lavoisier Carroll. Um, and he has the agility and fluidity to play defensive back or, you know, at least not embarrass himself at Georgia as a defensive back. So I think that bodes well for him too. Um, you know, it's been a little while since I've watched him, his running back tape, but I know I, I remember I liked what I saw. Yeah, he was the RB8 in the class. I believe he was my RB12 or 13 overall. So he was a little lower than that for me, but certainly, you know, it has the pedigree. Well, you liked Kendall Milton that year. I mean, we both did, but. Was it the same year? No, no, no you're right. No, they were two right. years. They, they were a year yeah, apart. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I'd, I'd have to go back and read my report on him. I don't have it open in front of me. That's probably, you know, my 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 bad as a uh, as a host here. Um, yeah. But. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's just the, he could really round out that backfield in the way that, you know, Mar- Marshawn Lloyd maybe can't following his knee injury and subsequent vanilla return last season. McDowell is very much a smaller back. Mm-hmm. So, Carroll, uh, that, that's a nice addition there. It really kind of just rounds everything out there. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on in spring. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we talk about the South Carolina offense on a different show or something sometime. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. All right, Colin. So I just want to talk about like, I mean, we we analyze some things on the show. We'll talk headlines. Sometimes it's just nice to kind of kick off your shoes. You know, you get home from work. Um, yeah, crack take a off, beer. Yeah, it's crack a beer. Um, and just talk about things that we like mm-hmm. in, in this space. So I I asked us tonight. Pick two offenses that you're really excited for, for C2C, CFF, whatever purposes you want this this season. And then um, you're going to tell me one player that is not appearing in our ADP that you like and you just want to sell to the audience. Um, it's just, it's things that we like. Um, I like it. Beyond each other, obviously. Right, of course, obviously. obviously. Um, so Colin, uh, it, what offense uh, do you uh, particularly like going into this offseason? Uh, so one of my favorites is is one that I've mentioned um, once or twice on here before, but uh, I really like TCU offense this upcoming year. Uh, TCU out is old man Gary Patterson. In comes Sonny Dykes, and he is bringing with him Garrett Riley, brother of Lincoln Riley, uh, who was his OCA at SMU. So they're keeping that staff largely intact. Sonny Dykes is a very good offensive mind. Um, he routinely has good uh, offenses at SMU, uh, his, particularly the pass offenses. But at SMU, uh, this past year, they had a 0.48 pass EPA, expected points added per play, uh, which is almost double what the uh, Jarek's magic line was. Um, and he was above Jarek's magic line in three of his four years at SMU. Uh, rushing, also pretty solid. Um, a 0.17 rush EPA per play, also above the magic line. Uh, it was above the magic line in two of four years at SMU, so half of the time. Uh, the volume is there as well. They're 14th in the country uh, in pass yards per game. So I think we're going to see a, a much more explosive TCU offense this year than what we're used to seeing. And along with that comes the QB battle. Uh, Max Dugan, uh, the incumbent you know, he's kind of left a lot to be desired. You know, some people were like, oh, you know, maybe he has a good year this year because he does bring some rushing ability, but he just isn't 
really there as a passer, in my opinion. Um, Chandler Morris stepped in uh, against Baylor, performed very admirably, upset them, uh, and then proceeded to shit his pants the next week against Oklahoma <laughs> State. Um, so up and down there, but there's a lot of hype for Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris was also a uh, recruit at Oklahoma um, where Garrett Riley was uh, when he was being recruited. So Garrett Riley, the OC of TCU, very familiar with Chandler Morris. So I think this is going to be a legitimate QB battle this offseason. It's going to be one to keep in mind, uh, keep an eye on. The biggest guy, though, that you're obviously interested in and the one that gets the biggest stock up from this is Quentin Johnston. Again, it's a heavy pass offense. Uh, It's an efficient pass offense. And Quentin Johnston is a guy that we all like for Debbie purposes. We didn't really have much of CFF hope for him. But now I think there's actually significant CFF hope for him because like we talked about a little bit earlier with SMU, they produce three fantasy relevant wide receivers. I don't think it's a stretch at all to say that Quentin Johnston is going to be a fantasy relevant wide receiver this coming year. They don't really have a lot besides him. They do bring in Jordan Hudson, um, who is intriguing. Uh, they are still talking to DJ Allen, who is a guy that a lot of us like over at the site. Uh, he has not declared yet. They don't really have much in the passing game beyond those two. Uh, we do like two of the running backs, Kendry Miller from this past year when Zach uh, Evans went down, he performed admirably. They also bring in Amani Bailey from um, UL, Louisiana. Uh, he performed well this year, too, as a true freshman. So there's just a lot of pieces in this offense that I like, and I think that they're going to have a really nice year. Yeah, I think they're very exciting. I was really excited to see uh, DJ Allen there. It sounds like that's probably not going to happen. Uh, if you made me guess, I would say that. I mean, I would guess Florida is probably where he ends this up. Point. But- the, the guess, like if you just say, you know, yes or no at TCU would definitely probably be no. I, I don't think he goes there anymore. But yeah, I mean, there, I, I like that backfield a lot. Mm-hmm. Even losing Zach Evans, obviously a very talented kid. But I, I think M- in Miller, who I believe was more was slightly more efficient than Zach Evans uh, in his touches last year. And he had a nice significant amount. So it's not like the, the Tony Pollard thing where they get like eight touches and they're super efficient. But to give them any more than that, they kind of just fall apart. Um, I think Miller is better than that and obviously has nicer size. And yeah, I mean, Bailey, I think is intriguing too. Maybe not, you know, a high end NFL guy, but um, certainly a fun guy nonetheless. So I, I agree. And I was, I told you before the show, TC was one of the ones that I really considered. So I'm glad that you picked it for yourself. The offense that I'm most excited for this season, Colin uh, is Tennessee. I'm doing a complete 180 on Tennessee this offseason. I was said last year, I thought they were going to, I was lower on them than I think a lot of people were. And I think the truth probably ended up somewhere in the middle of where I had them and where uh, a lot of people seemed to want to predict them. Um, they were better than I thought they were, although uh, Pitt did beat them. Hailed Pitt. Um, <laughs> so, but like, I just, I, I look at this offense and I, I think they can be one of the best offenses in all of college football. And especially for CFF purposes next year, they bring back Hendon hooker. And that's obviously the, kind of linchpin of this argument if he wasn't coming back um i I wouldn't feel this way but i believe he was a top 15 quarterback last year uh, despite uh not necessarily starting off the year but he didn't even start for his pit uh he had to come in late because uh uh, milton got hurt uh yeah injured in that game and he came in and almost led the comeback Uh, but i mean 620 yards rushing for hooker last year he threw for almost 3,000, 31 touchdowns three interceptions and the thing about josh heupel's offense is that it's 
you know, it, it's pretty much a spread. It spreads everything out and it kind of helps you cut down on mistakes if you know where you're going with the ball. Joe Milton didn't, so that's why he looked like crap, but Hendon Hooker is, is a much better processor, and so I think he did. And he was a guy, Hooker, that we talked about all offseason. Uh, we said he's the best quarterback there. If the coaching staff would just get out of their way, and they finally got out of their own way and let Hooker run with it, I think he's just going to have an awesome season. I think uh, 3,800 yards passing is well within the range of outcomes uh, and and seven to 800 yards rushing there for Hooker. The receivers, I'm going to tell you guys right now, literally, in, in my opinion, the most undervalued player in all of campus to Canton is Cedric Tillman. He is moving up into my top 20 wide receivers. I don't care if there's upside there for the NFL, although I think there might be a little bit because he's going to be a bit of an older prospect. But he last year was phenomenal for Tennessee. 64 catches, uh, 1,081 yards, uh, and... Uh, where did it just go? I just completely lost the touchdowns and 12 touchdowns. His game logs guys to end up the year. He started off again, kind of like Jameson Williams, slow two for 48, one for 20, three for 10. And then after that guys, he had games of seven eighty four and one seven, one fifty two and one, uh, 10, 200 and one five, 100 and one seven, one fifty and three six, one Oh six and two. I mean, this dude, was just freaking crushing it down the stretch. And this was against good teams. I mean, against Bama, 7 for 152 and 1. Against Georgia, 10 for 201. Um, you know, Purdue in the bowl game, he sliced them apart. Like, this kid performed really well against top competition. I don't necessarily have a strong feeling about who is the guy behind him. Vellis Jones was the number two receiver there last year, and he's gone. But I do think somebody is going to step up there and be very, very valuable for your teams. I would have guessed it was uh, Isaiah Nayor, but he's going to actually go to Texas now. Um, is it Jalen Hyatt? Um, a player who I I literally, every time somebody <laughs> asks me about him, I say I never heard of him. Um, uh, like, I, I don't know who steps up into that role. Is it one of the freshmen? I really like the freshman class, but I think they're they're very exciting. And even the running backs, I don't think I necessarily love any of them alone for fantasy but if one of them gets hurt and it's a two-headed backfield i think there is something exciting there they bring back jalen Wright and jabari small um small was a guy that we repeatedly told you on the show to go out and get last offseason he led that backfield in carries in receptions in touchdowns in yardage he led them in every category he's back Wright is back as well dynamic in his own right they lose Tyon Evans, but they bring in Justin Williams, who I think is a really solid replacement for, for him, true freshman. Uh, bigger back, kind of like Evans, stylistically very similar. I, I just really like this this offense as a whole. I, I think they're going to do some really big things in the SEC. It would not shock me if they have a, a really big upset or two next year. I haven't looked at their schedule. Nine wins. They won seven and six this year. I think nine wins should be the target, maybe even ten. I mean, I I, I know it's it, SEC is tough, but like I, I just think – there's some vulnerable teams down there right now. I think they can exploit it offensively. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I mean, I I don't know if I'm going to go 10 wins, but I think, on, nine, <laughs> I think nine wins should be the target. I think nine wins is definitely attainable. Uh, they got to get the defensive side of the ball figured out a little bit here, but I, they, they overperform. I shouldn't say they overperformed. Record-wise, they were slightly better than what I thought they were going to be this year. I thought it was going to take a little bit of time for Josh Heupel to get his offense installed the kind of the way he wanted it. They had a mass exodus of players. Um, you know, a lot of guys left on the defensive side of the ball, but 
you know, Hypo did a really admirable job there. And then you just saw a completely different offense once Hooker took over. Hooker's coming back. It's going to be year two in that offense. Uh, they don't really lose anybody of consequence. Like you said, they lose Vellis Jones, but you know, with Vellis Jones as your number two wide receiver, it's not a very good room. Um, you know, so they have some other options there this year uh, with another year of development under their belt. Uh, I think this is going to be a really nice team as well. Uh, this is definitely an offense that I'm going to be targeting. And it's not an offense that's slowing down anytime soon, guys, because they have this freshman wide or running or freshman quarterback coming in named Taven Jackson, who I really like. I think is the most natural Josh Heupel quarterback that he's had. Like he he is just like everyone said that Dylan Gabriel is kind of his type of player. Well, Taven Jackson is Dylan Gabriel, but he actually has tools. And I think that should be a scary thing uh, for defenses in that conference. So yep. just throwing that out there. Absolutely. Um, my next offense here, um, I'm staying in the state of Texas. I'm talking Texas Tech. Uh, they hired a new head coach there. Uh, they hired Joey McGuire away from Baylor. So Joey McGuire was the assistant head coach at Baylor um, in 2019. And then when Dave Aranda came in, he kept Joey McGuire on as the associate head coach, uh, moved him to associate head coach in outside linebackers instead of associate head coach in D end. But Joey McGuire is a guy who's thought very highly of in the state of Texas in terms of recruiting. Uh, he recruits that state very well. I think that's going to give Texas tech a little bit of an advantage there that maybe they haven't had in the past. Um, but my main intrigue with uh, Texas Tech really lies in their offensive coordinator. In um, is it Zach Kitley or Josh Kitley? Zach. 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 Okay. I don't know why I thought Josh for a second. Zach Kitley uh, was the offensive coordinator for that explosive Western Kentucky offense. Uh, he also came with their past head coach Tyson Helton from um, Houston Baptist. So he's coached explosive offenses the whole way. I expect nothing, uh, not nothing but the same from him at Texas Tech. They actually even almost had Quinn Ewers convinced to go there potentially because of Kitley, maybe. Um, but Zach Kitley's offense is uh, he had a 0.48 pass EPA per play, uh, which was about uh, pretty much the same as uh, Sonny Dykes and SMU. It's about double what the uh, what the average is. Um, they averaged 433.7 pass yards per game. That's most in the country. Just a very, very explosive passing offense. So these are pieces that you're going to want for your college uh, fantasy team. Now, the thing is at quarterback, they have three guys there, and I don't really know which one is going to win that job because it's a completely new staff. They got Tyler Shuck coming back, um, campus to Canton, punching bag. Um, you know, he was okay this year then he got hurt donovan smith stepped in he looked nice donovan smith when he stepped in was um named the starter by you know when joey mcguire's staff was already there at that point so i think that bodes well for donovan smith baron morton though is a guy they brought in last year he was a good recruit um high producer in texas and in texas high school football and i still believe in him too he's a guy that i like a lot so this is gonna 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 kind of be another Mississippi State situation for me from last year, where I really want the starter, 
the starting quarterback in this offense. And depending on the level of investment you have to make in each of these, I may be taking multiples. I may be taking two or two of them at a time and just kind of hoping I can hit the dart on one of them. Like, like with Will Rogers last year. Um, no, I think it's going to be a very similar situation. We're, we're back. We're back to the draft, all the quarterbacks, and then I have bad players to cut later. Is that yep. is that where we're back on? Yep, okay. exactly. Year two of that strategy. Year one worked. Year one was a success with Will Rogers. Um, Sawyer Robertson kind of failed, but still a success. But in terms of um, wide receivers there at Texas Tech, they lose a lot. They lose Eric Ezekonma. They lose Kalen Geiger. Uh, they're pretty sure there's one more they lose and I'm missing off the top of my head, but really the only guys that they're bringing back, uh, Miles Price, Jaron Bradley. I don't feel that great about either of them. I kind of wish they had brought in somebody as a transfer, but somebody's going to have to catch all those balls. And Travis Kuntz, tight end, he is going to be a massive bargain. Massive bargain for your CFFs. He's a guy that I'm targeting everywhere. Tight end is so barren outside the top two guys. Outside of Bowers, outside of Meyer, however you want to sort them, fine. After that, huge drop-off. I mean, when we pulled out the 2022 class from our rankings there, it's it's shocking how bare this is. Um, so Travis Coons is a guy that I, I think is going to be fantastic for CFF purposes. I think he's going to have a monster year. There is really the only established receiving option in that offense. And then you also have Taj Brooks on the ground is a guy that we talked about on the show here. Uh, he's one of Austin's guys. Uh, Sir Roger Thompson's gone. Taj Brooks looks good in limited work this year. I think he's going to have a nice role in this offense here. So this is overall an offense that I'm going to be targeting. I want whoever the starting quarterback is. I definitely want Travis Koontz. I like Taj Brooks and I'm willing to take some dart throws on some of those receivers. So, um, first good call you've ever had on the show. So really good work there, oh, Colin. I think you. we can probably just call it a show here. That's, All right. Awesome. Wrap it a, up. That's a big step for you. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you, you know, you just kind of talked about the debate between Donovan Smith and Baron Morton. If I told you that Baron Morton right now had an ADP for us of quarterback 55 overall, uh, 198 is his ADP. If you could choose between that or Donovan Smith, who currently is not being drafted in a single one of our drafts. Yeah. I mean, are you serious? Case. I just tried to spell Donovan like eight different ways to make sure I was covering all my bases. Did you try um, Smith? <laughs> just no, sort through oh, all oh, of the Smiths. Sort through all the Smiths. Smith. Oh, there's a lot of choices here. <laughs> um, no, wow. nobody has taken Donovan Smith yet. Um, for And as much as we talk about him on the show, I definitely thought that he would go. So, I mean, at that value, assuming we have, let me just say how many quarterbacks we have. 70 overall have been drafted, uh, including wow. uh, Gavin Hardison, Tanner McKee, Mason Garcia, uh, Sam Horn, Hudson Card. Like, hey, there's there's hey, bums. You keep Hudson drafted. Card's name out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> there are bums being drafted. And Donovan Smith, who ended the year very, very well. Uh, and it's potentially an Akitley offense, guys. I mean, I get yeah. that there might be some concern that stylistically he doesn't necessarily mess with, mess mesh with what Kitley wants to right. do. I think Baron Morton fits that a little bit better. The upside is just so Huge. much higher with Smith, and I feel like if he doesn't win that job, he leaves. Mm-hmm. Now again, now you're worried about him landing somewhere where he's going to play. But I mean, I, I think there's some upside there, and I wish I would have realized that before I picked my kid that isn't ranked. 
Yeah. It probably would have tried to sell you on Donovan Smith. Yeah. Wow. That is that is shocking that he's yeah. not that he's not being drafted at all. Is Shuck being drafted? I don't think so. Um, People just no, Shuck has him. not been drafted yet. And I mean, he's still there. And mm-hmm. so I think it's definitely a concern. You know, we can't necessarily just pencil in one of. No, I, but honestly, if I have to pencil in somebody, I lean towards Smith. Like there's three guys here. If you make me break it down, it's probably 50% Smith, 30% Shuck, 20% Morton. Why do you think Morton's third on the totem pole? Uh, I do. I do. I, I like Morton. I, I really do. But mm-hmm. um, I think the other guys just have more experience there. That's fine. And I think that counts for something. I, I don't think it's outrageous. Um, but wow, that's might have to go buy me some Donovan Smith. Go get him, baby. Um, so the final offense that we're going to talk about here tonight, guys, is um, a, an offense that we are contractually obligated to mention at least once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, due to our um, a new partner here at Campus to Canton, that is South Carolina Gamecocks, Chris Moxley's Gamecocks, ladies and gentlemen. So if you have a problem with us talking about him, please DM Chris Moxley and yes. tell him why. Um, why you don't like South Carolina. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm yeah, sure please. you have many reasons. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, Just mm-hmm. pull one mm-hmm. of the many. His DMs are open, I think. At, at Chris Moxley 19, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, go get him. So I'm I am actually moderately intrigued by South Carolina. I think this is a bit of an easy answer because of all the additions they've had, and there's a very big chance that this is the Vince Young Eagles team that said they're a dream team and then fell apart. <laughs> um, like there, that that is certainly a possibility. But nice reference. Thank you. I, uh, I I think that there are some pieces to work with here. I think it starts obviously with Spencer Rattler transferring there from Oklahoma. Things did not work out there the way that he probably had hoped but i like if i have to choose between buying dju this offseason or buying spencer rattler the two highest profile busts according to adp last season i'm buying rattler i think the new offensive environment with a coach that's going to let him throw the ball a little bit they've got some some pieces there as i'm going to mention here in a second i think spencer rattler is a very intriguing prospect can he check his own ego at the door is going to be the question and I think you could, the easy answer is no, he's never been able to do it. But, you know, a, a, a tough year there for him could give him the kick in the pants that he needs. So I, I think that he's going to do pretty well there. We just talked about Lavazier Carroll heading there along with Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell. It's a lot of question marks, but I think there is also a lot of upside there. And it's a rushing offense that knows how to scheme rushing production out of their backs now that they've had bad running backs there but they just kind of know how to get that production so i'm excited for all of them and then josh van i think is going to have a very nice year as a receiver there was their leading receiver last season um i think people thought that he was going to go to the draft he is not going to do that 43 catches last year 668 yards six touchdowns colin i know i i spoiled this before the show but it took for the for the for the viewers play along here with me okay okay how many players do you think threw a pass for South Carolina last season uh well I mean they did have a a revolving door quarterback there they did um Zeb Nolan QB1 mm-hmm. um hmm. I mean it's it's definitely not an insignificant number no it's definitely not yeah yeah um, it, it's it's nine it's oh. nine for everybody listening at home. Oh. nine players <laughs> I, I would not have South guessed Carolina. that though if you had made me do it live on the show now granted 
five of those players were position players that threw one pass on presumably some sort of trick play. But if you have solid quarterback play, you're not going to have five separate plays called throughout the year in which a skill position player <laughs> throws a pass. So that tells you all you need to know right there. Zeb, uh, Luke Doty played five games. Jason Brown played seven. Zeb Nolan played seven. And then DeKaron Joyner uh, played quarterback in that bowl game, I believe, um, and was okay. Um, so, I mean, they they rotated those guys a lot last year. Um, of the guys that actually were like regular starters there, I mean, Luke Doty had the highest completion percentage at 60.6%. There is room for a lot more efficiency through the air. Plus, you add in um, Austin Stogner coming in there, Jaheim Bell. Um, so, like, I, I just think it's that's going to be a really fun offense this year. I don't, I'm not, I, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to be Tennessee. But these are all players that you can buy for dirt cheap prices, essentially. Like, and I am not saying don't go. Like, I think you should go do that. You're not even. You didn't even mention my favorite. Who's your favorite? Amari and Brown. Amari and Brown. Oh, he's dead to me. That's fair. But That's just because you like him. If you didn't like him, I'd probably stop. He's, he's almost dead to dead yeah. to me. I'm still. I, I mean, he would be if Spencer Rattler didn't go there. That just that gives me a, just a sliver of hope. So okay. you're saying there's a chance. Okay, Colin. So the moment we've all been waiting for, then we said, you know, each of us need to pick a player that has not been selected in any of our drafts at campus to Canton yet. If you guys want to get in one of those drafts, please DM us on Twitter at campus to Canton. Uh, the number two in the middle, you can DM Colin or I will, we'll point you in the right direction. I'm at Debbie Dietz. Colin is at C2C Decker um, or uh, hit up PJ. PJ runs all of our mock drafts at campus to Canton at Masta PJ. Um, so far we've had 335 different players selected in our mock drafts. They usually go 20 rounds and those will extend a little bit as the off season goes on. So these players presumably are not amongst the top 335 players. According to consensus, Colin, a player that you really like that has not been drafted yet is Mr. Cam Wiley running Ooh. back um, who was at Minnesota now transferred to Akron. Um, Wiley was a three-star athlete as a prospect when he committed to Minnesota, uh, redshirted his fresh year, freshman year. He only played three games, um, 2020 played seven games. Um, he only had 33 total offensive touchdown or offensive touches, but he saw a, a fair amount of work as a kick returner. Um, but this year, even with Mo Ibrahim and, and Trey Potts getting hurt, Wiley still didn't really see a lot of work. Uh, which is mildly concerning. And then if you look at Akron, you may think Akron's terrible. Uh, they have been for years. Why do I care Zips. about him going to Akron? Well, I'll tell you why. You care about him going to Akron because Joe Moorhead is the new head coach at Akron. And Joe Moorhead is, dare I say, a rushing attack guru. Ooh. He so he was at Penn State um, in 2016, 2017. I think he was there in 2015, too. I'm not entirely sure, um, but he was definitely there in 2016, 2017. Then he went to head, be the head coach at Mississippi State in 2018, 2019. 
Then he was the offensive coordinator at Oregon in 2020 and this past year. In terms of rush offense per or EPA per play, um, Joe Moorhead ranks well above the magic line in every single year he has been calling plays uh, at Penn State and Mississippi State at Oregon. Um, the average average. So real quick, Colin, I just want to ask sure. you real quick. Mm-hmm. So I know we have the magic line as it relates to the player metrics tool on, on the website, mm-hmm. and that is a regression line of the average of the top 24 seasons produced in the NFL. Yes. What is the magic line for the coaching metric? Uh, I believe the magic line and Jared can obviously correct me if I'm wrong is the average uh, coach or average to offense for that particular metric, which in this case is rush EPA per play. Yeah. In neutral situations. Yes. In neutral situations. I just wanted to, I know we say magic line a lot. I just wanted to clarify. That's fair. That's fair. Um, But yeah, so his, but, but this past year, in 2021 um the average is about 1.4 or 0.14 uh he was he was just under 0.3 um in 2021 this past year at oregon both of his years as a head coach at mississippi state he was almost at 0.3 as well Um, so pretty significantly above average now he's going to akron he's going to be in the mac it's not a particularly defense strong conference um there's not very many imposing defenses there and cam wiley i mean for what it's worth you know minnesota had a a stable of good running backs um so i don't necessarily knock him that much for not being able to break out amongst that group but he's big he's athletic Uh, he was clocked at an unofficial four five six and an unofficial 39 and a half inch vert in 2019 before he entered college um, he was athletic enough to be able to return kicks. He's a big size speed guy going to an offense. That's going to be a strong rushing offense. I think he has some serious CFF potential this year. Yeah, I think he's a really interesting name. Moorhead. That was a really good hire for Akron. That um, was huge for Akron. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, I mean, those, those smaller schools are risk the, being irrelevant if they don't kind of nail some of these hires over a long period of time. So yeah, this feels like one that could give Akron some more juice moving forward. So I chose, uh, like I said, I probably would have chosen Donovan Smith. Um, I'm going to choose Luke Altmeyer. And my position comes with the caveat that Jackson Dart does not end up in Old Miss and he's kind of the last major domino. I don't think that, that uh, they would want JT Daniels there. Lane Kiffin wouldn't. It doesn't seem like his style of quarterback, but I cannot obviously say that for certain. Luke Altmeyer, guys, was not that bad in the bowl game. First off, to have to come in kind of cold turkey to a game he probably didn't expect to play in at all. The last game of the year, he'd thrown nine passes total in three other games preceding this. Three against Austin P, one against Tennessee, and five against Auburn. That's all his experience. Got thrown into this game when Corral went down, went 15 for 28, against Baylor for 174 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. That, you know, on paper does not look like an overwhelmingly great performance, but if you look at how Baylor's defense played against quarterbacks last year, they gave up over 300 yards passing twice on the entire year. Chandler Morris. One one of them to Chandler Morris and one of them to Jaron Hall. They had 
multiple games, for instance, against Kansas, they gave up 57 yards passing. Obviously, not the great, the greatest barometer. The first time they played Oklahoma State, they gave up 182. Mississippi, you know, Mike Leach, yay, passing guru, 184 yards passing in that game. Kansas State had 158. Oklahoma had 178 against them. Texas had 280. I mean, this was a very, very strong uh, defense in all facets, but especially in the past game. So I think, you know, going in cold Turkey against them and playing, you know, completing 54% of his passes, almost 200 yards. He did have the two boneheaded mistakes on the interceptions. They were both very much his fault, but those are things that I would expect a first year starter, a true freshman at the school, like Ole Miss in this big new year, six bowl game. You know, I, the, these were not mistakes that, that make me think that he is just a total bum. He has all the tools. He was a four-star kid in last year's class. All the reports in preseason were that he looked really good in the spring because Matt Corral did not participate in a lot of it. Um, so I like I don't think all is lost if they don't get Jackson Dart. I still think Luke Altmeyer can be a good quarterback at the very least for college fantasy purposes. And he's not been selected in the in 335 selections, you know, total that have been made. That seems like if you're chasing upside last offseason, the whole thing was, well, we want Lane Kiffin offense. And now we're not even going after Lane Kiffin's offense. And it's apparently not expensive to go after this kid. Yeah, I think that I think Luke Altmaier is a great call. Like you said, obviously, the the caveat is that Dart doesn't end up there. It seems like Dart's kind of down to Oklahoma and Ole Miss. I hope he goes to Ole Miss personally. Um just because I would rather see him have almost, I mean, Luke Altmaier is solid, but I would be shocked if Dart does not start over Altmaier. Whereas if he goes to Oklahoma, it's kind of a coin flip between him and, and Gabriel. But assuming that he does not end up there, Luke Altmaier is a steal. Now he is, right now. there are some other issues that I, I completely ignored. One being they lose all three of their start or their running backs that they rotated last year, Snoop Connor, Henry Parrish, uh, Jerry and Ely all gone. They lose a large percentage of their receiving production uh, in Braylon Sanders and Ontario Drummond. Um, so there, there are other issues there, but I think, you know, it's, it's not a bad spot for him to be in. No. So. Well, they get Zach Evans. Uh, at yep. running back. So that alleviates a lot of the concerns in the backfield. Jonathan Mingo, who was the wide receiver that we liked the most there from them um, heading into this year is still there. So he has an option to throw to. You'd like to see a couple more, but you know, it's it, the, somebody will emerge. I'm sure. So, okay, Colin. So let's, let's wrap up uh, tonight here then. Uh, we're doing freshman profile season. We've done, I think, 10 of them total already. Two more here tonight. We both chose running backs, funny enough. Uh, so go ahead, Colin, and regale us um, with your legacy running back selection here. My freshman profile tonight is a name that is going to be familiar to a lot of people, and that is Trevor Etienne. Yes, he is the brother of current Jacksonville Jaguar, Travis Etienne. Um, Etienne's a four-star prospect from Jennings, Louisiana. Um, he waited till a while into the process to declare, but he is now going to Florida. Um, Trevor Etienne already has a solid NFL build at 5'10", um, 218 pounds, I believe is what he weighed in at the uh, All-American Bowl. Um 
I have two conflicting re- things here in my in my report. I have at 200 pounds, and then I also have at 218 pounds. I can pretty confidently say that that dude is not 200 pounds after watching uh, him play. Not calling him chubby or anything, but he's definitely mm. not 200 pounds. Yeah, I'm thinking he weighed in at 218. I think I just didn't change it in the middle. But 218 pounds, so he's already got a solid NFL build. Uh, I think he would benefit from obviously refining his build and you know leaning out a little bit like you said he did you know not look the most lean um but he's already got the size that we're looking for there he doesn't have the 4344 speed that uh travis etn does but i think he has enough speed that he breaks long td runs you see it on tape several times i think he has nice burst i think he gets up to top speed fairly quickly um, once he's in the open field, uh, he can wind his way through traffic pretty well. Um, you know, he can make a defender miss if he needs to. He is used more on he's used on more than just screen passes and swing passes out of the backfield. So I think he's already an asset in the passing game. Uh, he has good contact balance. He doesn't go down easily. Um, he shows flashes of good vision where he can find the cutback lanes, but he does need to con- develop his patience and learn to fl- follow his blocks better. Um, he kind of tries to be a one cut and go back and that doesn't always work. Sometimes he runs up into the back of his lineman. Uh, something that's just odd and to note the offense that he ran in high school was kind of weird. Um, they had like two backs there. They like in the backfield, they would like get set down in a three point stance, uh, right before they snapped at either time. It was just, it's just not something you see very often. Um, but I really like that he's going to Florida with Billy Napier. I think that Billy Napier runs multiple backs in the offense. Uh, I think he traditionally has very good rushing attacks. Um, you know, it's going to kind of be Bowman this year. We think maybe a sprinkle of, uh, of Naquan, Wright, Montrell Johnson is going to be there. But after that, Trevor Etienne has an opportunity. To, to earn some playing time heading into year two, I think. He's not quite the athlete his brother is, uh, but I think he has the requisite size, athleticism, and pass-catching ability uh, to, to carve out a really nice role in college and have an NFL, potential NFL future. Yeah, the um, I don't I don't know that he's close to his brother at all as an no. athlete. I think that, so that, that was surprising when I watched him. Um, so, that's definitely just completely a polar opposite type backs. Um, so weird, weird. Usually, you know, kind of brothers tend to be moderately athletically similar. I don't know. Well, you and your brother. Uh, I'm way more athletic than him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll pass way that along. More. Yeah. Good. Do it. Yeah. I'll ask him. Um, him I know ETN is, I know he's, you're not a big, a huge fan of him. Um, I'm kind of the, the highest at the site on him. Where do you have him? Do you have your ranks in front of you? Uh, I don't have them directly in front of me. I want to say it's like RB14. Okay. Um, Give me one second here. I have him up in a window. And composite, I think that's close to where we have him on the site. So. Uh, Yeah, I have him RB14. Okay. He is my RB32. But admittedly, that might be uh, slightly low. Um, maybe have to revisit that. Um, I chose for tonight... Uh, Ramon Brown, running back, going to Maryland, 
uh, not Virginia Tech, where he was committed uh, for a long time. He ended up flipping on signing day. Uh, Ramon Brown, I think, is a kid that's going to get some hype as the offseason goes on. I know I've already tweeted about him multiple times as a kid that I love the landing spot and I love the talent. He's my RB6 in the class currently. He's 5'11", 202. And as I said, he is going to Maryland. Um, this kid, he's built per like perfectly for a running back like he has that really nice frame i think he's gonna get it would not shock me if when they list him on the website right away he's listed at like 210 215 like i just think that's his natural size i think he'll 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 get that big and, and not really change much as an athlete at all i love this kid's movement skills though like i think his long speed is good i think he can end up being like a low four fives kind of guy which is more than good enough for running backs He's got very quick feet. He's got nice flexibility in his hips and ankles, so he can uh, change directions pretty easily there. I think he's started to show a basic understanding of manipulating defenders, especially beyond the first level. Um, He can kind of set up his blocks that way. I think that's a very underrated skill for kids coming out of high school. Um, If they don't really flash it that much then, I'm not sure that um, they they grow into it too much later. I think he can be a, a plus contributor in the passing game. You know, he won't be... Bijan or Travion Henderson, but I think he can be very, very good there. Um, and I just think he, you know, laterally, he moves very, very well. Um, he does get caught trying to bounce runs too much a little bit. So I think he has to work on that a little bit. Um, and while I think he's physical, he doesn't necessarily always do the kind of dirty work, you know, pick up that extra yard here too, that maybe you would want to see him do. I think gaining a little bit of that extra weight, uh, will certainly help him there. Um, but I, I just think he's a great get for pro, uh, for a program like Maryland. They they lose uh, they've lost Tyon Fleet Davis and Jake Funk over the past two years. Penny Boone is transferred out. He's going to Toledo. They have um, Isaiah Jacobs there, Josh Jacobs' brother or cousin. I forget which one it is. Um, and they Relative. have like one they have like one other guy there, and that's it. Like it's a very shallow backfield and an offense that I think will be what they were at the beginning of this year before they lost. Uh, Dante Dimas, who is returning. So I am all in on Ramon Brown. I will probably be taking him in the second and third rounds of freshman drafts, depending on what the supplemental pool looks like, uh, and not really thinking twice about it. I think you, at minimum, if he never becomes an NFL back, I think you get three really nice years of college production out of him at minimum. Yeah, I would say at least three years. That's assuming that he doesn't yes. earn a sizable role this year. I exactly. Mean- if he earns a sizable role this year and if he isn't ever anything for the NFL, I mean, you're looking at four years. But no, I completely agree. I like Ramon Brown as well. I think we as a site are higher on him than most. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have a lot to add what you say there. I completely agree with a lot of that. I think he's a fantastic option for CFF with a nod to some NFL potential. Where do you have him rank called? Did you just say? Uh, I did not say I have Ramon Brown ranked twelfth. Uh, okay, he's this. He's tied with George Petaway for me. I'll okay. kind of go back and forth on them. Gotcha. Yeah, two very different backs. Um, yes. So cool. Well, that is going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Thank you again so much for tuning in here with us. Um, be sure to check out everything that Campus to Canton has to offer. Uh, go ahead to campus2canton.com, $2.99 a month, $29.99 a year. We've got all sorts of different uh, data tools there. Uh, been very helpful with my rookie drafts coming up in Dynasty. We have all sorts of different uh, tools that can do that for you. We've got the coaching metrics, the call cited tonight. 
Um, we have tools that help you identify vac vacated production from last off season. So you can kind of start to plan uh, your CFF and C2C teams. As we mentioned earlier, we are adding CFF. We will have a whole uh, section of the site dedicated to that. We have the family of podcasts, Chasing the Natty, Why Wait Till Sunday, the Campus to Canton Pod, Debbie Debate, and Fantasy Football Roundtable. All will be hanging Draft. out. Daily Draft Report. The Daily Draft Report is also on there right now, guys. That is hosted by our very own Dwight Peebles, spending 10 to 15 minutes every day just chatting about a prospect with a different guest. Been a really, really good listen. I, I've listened to it pretty much every day on my lunch. I think I skipped a defensive guy or two. That's why I said that. Um, <laughs> I save those for the times where I'm like, all right, I've listened to the other pods in my rotation. Now I'll listen to the defensive guys. Yeah. I have not listened to the most recent one on um, Ajabo, but uh, other than that, I've listened to all of them. Yeah, yeah. So that, he, that those are really, really cool, and they'll be going all through draft season here. Um, be on the lookout. Uh, we have one more week of no Canton bound. And then we will be back next month. We've missed you guys so much. Um, but uh, other things have come first. So we'll be back on that train until next time though, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin and have a good one.